gears. We had been doing this series on looking at uh, movement in the directions God calls us, that he calls us away from things and he calls us toward things, and that there is process and movement in that, that it's not always an instantaneous thing. So last week we took uh, and got specific rather than just general directions, and we're looking at what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes mistakenly called the fruits of the Spirit, like we get to choose one or another of them. I'm really good at loving people, and I'm kind of kind, and I'm not at all patient, but that's okay because I have a couple of the fruits. They're not fruits, plural. It's fruit singular, and it's just this is the attributes or the characteristics that God uh, wants to grow in us. And so we began last week with a amazing illustration that was hilarious, and I appreciate everyone laughing so hard at it. It just, it didn't. went out, and it fell down, and it just landed right there, and it sat there awkward the whole service. You did think about it all week, and you just thought, poor Jason, all week long. I appreciate your compassion. (laughs) But the big landing question is, uh, is God showing through my life? Is God showing through my life? And it's easy to have so many voices yelling or whispering or targeting you that want something from you, and it's easier to get things from you when it's made you a cohesive angry or afraid or whatever. And so for a lot of followers of Christ, somewhere along the line... And maybe it's always been this way. It just feels more current because it's our time. We've lost the plot. I've had moments in my life, I've had seasons of my life where I've lost the plot, where I've been more angry, where I've been less forgiving, where I've been less loving, where I've been uh, more stirred up, more riled up, more defensive, more uh, just uh, let me in on the fight. And this morning, as we look at the second attribute, or some people call these virtues, and I don't know if that's a word that works anymore in our culture, because it's not so much a good thing that God wants to do in us, as it is a DNA kind of a thing that he wants to shape in us. So we are going to look at joy. Now, joy is a lot of different things in Not to mention a great character in a Pixar movie that every parent should watch when their tank is full. Otherwise, you're going to cry because your kids are getting older and and inside out is great. But here's here's a thing. Think of a time, a moment in your own story when you experienced great joy. Great joy. Can you think of a time, a moment, an event, a season, a thing when you experienced great joy? Okay, so we just watched Napoleon Dynamite with the family. (laughs) So that was a moment of great joy. Yes. It was also a very funny reminder for those of you who haven't seen it. Seriously, you've all seen it. Of Uncle Rico just living his life moving forward with all of great joy was back in the day, like a John Cougar Mellencamp song. 
Think of a moment, though, that's not to belittle or down a moment or an experience that you've had that was a moment of great joy. Everyone got one? Got it? Okay. Hang on to that for a second. So there's a lot of definitions of joy. This is the one we're going to work with. Joy is deep gladness, an inner sense of well-being, and experience of sheer delight. So there's a lot of joy. For some, Just it's like when we get near Advent and we go through these love and joy and peace and hope. We talk about peace and we say peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's everything in its right place. It's wholeness. And we go, I'd settle for absence of conflict, Jay. Some, when they think about joy, think happiness. And and listen, for some of us and some of the seasons we're in, just some happiness would be good. If you're in a season of mourning, a season of loss, if you're struggling with depression, if you're in a dark space, this morning I don't want to say things in a way that's just churchy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, so cheer up, let's go. I appreciate singing that song this morning. I haven't sang sang that promise song in quite a while. But to say to myself, yes, Lord, you know, it repeats, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes is just amen in our language. There, sometimes though in church world, we can give these fill-in-the-blank answers in a way that makes me go, well, that's nice and everything, but that doesn't penetrate who I actually am or where I'm actually at. And so I don't want to push anyone into a dark place so that we can all have a deep moment together. But on the flip of that, if you're in a space where as I'm talking about joy, you go, I don't know. Hopefully this isn't a way that belittles where you're at, but also reminds that that isn't the whole of the picture. Okay? And so, all right, so this is the thing that we're dealing with for joy. So here's the question this morning. Where does joy come from? Where does joy come from? There's a lot of different ideas of joy. There's a lot of different studies of joy. If you do a, uh, like a research, not just a random Google, those are fun. You might end up at like cat memes. And then your whole afternoon could be joy of cats playing keyboards. That might be joy. But if you Google joy in research, you may find yourself stumbling into that this is an area that science has put a lot of effort into, studying the brain with MRIs and different CAT scans and which parts of the brain do what. Or even with genetic sequencing and stuff, what part of DNA affects brain and what characteristics. And if there's a head injury, does it affect, does it not affect? And so there's a ton of that's gone into studying this. And so it's not like the church has the corner on this. Psychologists and neuroscientists have studied the anatomy of joy. There was even one study that, I'm not making this up, uh, one researcher actually went to their team, proposed a, (laughs) a project, how much funding they got, but here's the project. As part of this research, we are going to tickle rats <laughs> to see how they respond. How'd you like to be on that team? 
right? That was that one kid in school who like, I'll work on your group project and then totally derails it. They're now a scientist tickling rats. <laughs> so there's something to be learned from these things. There are psychological factors. There are physiological factors. There are environmental influences that can affect a person's happiness. But at the bottom line is that it's actually still a mystery on this question of where does joy come from. So Galatians, our text for the series, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. I love that last sentence in this. I hope we're going to have time to unpack that. But it's just like Paul gives all of these things to the church in the area of Galatia. And then he's like, listen, there's no law against this stuff, okay? So as you're thinking about all these things, the do's and the don'ts and the doctrine and the theology and what it means to live out Jesus, like don't miss that like nobody can outlaw this stuff. And there's no ancient law against this stuff. This is what we are meant to live out. And in writing to the church there, one of the things we see in this, and we touched on it last week, but just real fast, these aren't just personal characteristics. This isn't just something you need to grow more in. One German researcher did a study on church world pre-COVID, since COVID, it's all whatever, but back in the day, um, in one of the top characteristics for people who visited church and stick around to church, yes, it's fantastic teaching, check. Yes, <laughs> humility in the pulpit, check. <laughs> there, now we're all here. Yes, stuff like small groups, something for your kids or whatever. But one of the top things was was a sense of joy in the community. Now, that makes sense, right? That you don't necessarily want to go and intentionally spend time around something where on the other side of it, all you feel is beat up, drained, and torn down. Some have read, though, a study like that and then go, what we need to do is just make people laugh the whole entire time. And so churches is a getting together and there is joy in our midst, but it isn't just theological entertainment, hopefully. And so, but see, it's not even from here to there where joy needs to happen. The thing that I love about who we are as a church, and it spills out as I get to know new folks and they, uh, they give feedback, is that I see you all connect and share stories and laugh and ask how things are going. Now, on the flip of that, no community of faith is perfect. And so you can just as easily walk into a room where it is a joyous occasion and walk out still feeling disconnected, still feeling unknown, still feel those things. And the things that I lovingly, nudgingly say into those is the same things I used to say to my middle schoolers when I was a youth pastor. You get out of a thing what you also bring into a thing. And so if your parents drop you off at youth group and say, now go make friends, and then you stand in the corner and wait for some friends to come to you, probably not going to have a great time at youth group. 
And so there is a little bit of risk in our relationships and in our relating. And so this morning, that's actually where we're going to end. Not ending right now, but that's where we're going to get. And so these fruit, this fruit, it's not just a personal thing. It's also a community thing. And so, yes, it is, God, grow in me to be more loving. To remember last week, we talked about love being not just an emotion, not just a thing, but love being a tangible decision to look for the best in others and move toward them. And so, help us as a community of faith to not just rally around what we are comfortable with, but to move towards others and look for the best for them which is exactly what God did when he stepped out of heaven and took on flesh and blood. Enjoys the same way. And actually, if we look at each one of these attributes of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit, each nuance of this, it's a diamond that you can see, and depending on what you see it, you see something different. Most all of these live out best, not personally, but communally or in community and together. You can be loving, but to truly love, you need someone else. To truly have joy, I mean, you could just have joy in your car, and we've seen some of you have joy in your car just by yourself, right? Driving, you're like, that guy has a song he loves, and he's singing it. And there's joy in that moment. But real joy, it's connecting and sharing and I'm willing to wager, rewind back into that event or that moment or that thing that you were imagining as a point of joy. How many of you, for real, raise hand, how many of you were around others in that moment? And for those of us extreme introverts, (laughs) did we, if you experienced joy by yourself, have a richer joy when you then told it to someone else, right? So your joy might have been a solo hike on your own in the rain, it rained as the birds were singing, or, or some whatever. But isn't it interesting that even in those moments where you have it by yourself, in the retelling or in the narrating of what the thing is, there is even more joy that we receive in the thing, and it takes on deeper fullness and solidifies in us. And so this is more than just a personal thing, it's communal. Now, for some, they define joy as, and actually the dictionary does, so it's, it's a condition or a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. A condition or a feeling of great joy or happiness. That's great. Joy often includes pleasure and happiness. And that's a good start. But the word great kind of, in my mind, suggests something more. See, happiness is contingent on our circumstances. It's a sunny day. You got a raise. You won the game. The Lions got in the playoffs. Wow, that's a turn on me. Okay. You saved it all up from last week, and you brought it into this week. Thank you. And see, pleasure has to do with sensations. 
that first sip of cup of coffee in the morning or a runner's high or a tender kiss, those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things. And in fact, uh, I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis in the past couple weeks, and Lewis talks about those things, and then he calls them desires, those things that we have. Even the bent ones are a drawing to something else, something deeper. And if it's a thing that can't be fulfilled in this life, then that then is the reminder to us that it, it will be fulfilled in the age to come. And so what a great thing. So those things that we have in our lives, yeah, that first sip of coffee in the morning if you're a coffee person. If you're not, join the team. It's great. It's good for you, depending on the study you read. Or that time with friends who know you and get you and just pick up where you left off. Those are good things. But it isn't necessarily the deepest of things. The Greek word for, that's most often translated joy, I don't know because I didn't take Greek, but is defined as the nuance of well-being, making it an inner quality. Joy isn't just the outside stuff or the circumstances stuff or the happiness. There is a deeper sense of delight or of well-being or of gladness. Joy isn't linked to circumstances. Joy isn't linked to circumstances, which is why we as growing followers of Christ, why you can experience joy even as the world falls apart around you. The trouble is, is when we take joy and we put in happiness and we think happiness is the thing that God wants for us, which is actually kind of true, but not all the way true, uh, we go, well, I need to be always happy. Now, some folks we know are actually happy 99% of the time. And some of you are in this room. I've never seen you mad. You guys, I've never seen you frustrated or upset. I know you get frustrated and upset. Every time I've ever been with you, I've been like, I can do amazing things too because they are just full of joy and it comes out. But if you were to tell us the story of the past couple of years, then either you're really good at faking it or God's doing something. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's good. I like you guys. Come around more. And isn't that the truth? Because see, there are some times where it's like you know God's at work. And yes, there are all these things going on. But then there's other times where it's like, okay, this is not what I'm feeling, but it's what I know. And so self, I know this. That doesn't magically get us into a place of joy. But there is at times, the psalmists tell us, there is a rhythm of our lives where we know a thing and we tell ourselves the thing. In its appropriate season. Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a place for everything. A funeral isn't the spot to have somebody get in your face and go, you need the joy of the Lord. No, you need a punch in the face. <laughs> because right now, I need to have all of this. My personal studies in Job right now. A lot of the things Job's friends say to them are not untrue theologically. They're just 
not true chronologically. And so there are times when we need to feel the weight of sorrow or we need to feel the weight of our wretchedness or we need to feel the weight of a need of others. And it would be inappropriate to go, now I'm going to just completely experience happiness thinking it's joy. But even in the brokenness of the world around us, there is joy. Jesus um, doesn't have a lot of times in Scripture where it talks about him being full of joy or him laughing or him joking. And so it's easy to have somber Jesus as our mental picture. But there's a couple uh, glimpses we get of Jesus who is full of joy or tells his disciples at the Last Supper, I want you to have the fullness of joy the way I have the fullness of joy. And one of the spaces where Jesus uh, is uh, showing joy is right after the 72 go out, the 72 disciples go out and do ministry and they come back and give a report. And they're like, hey, we did this and miracles happened and we preached and everyone listened and took notes and we uh, did this and even demons fled. And it's Jesus' response to them is one of joy. And so in that, we catch this glimpse of God has joy when we do the things he calls us to do. But even more than that, God has joy when he's, or, or we see Jesus being full of joy when he's with and around people. And so there's this part of this. Joy isn't linked to circumstances. Joy is most often linked, though, to relationships. One pastor says that our joy flows through relationships. And so that is kind of the importance of a getting together like this. Joy isn't something we attain or produce. It's something we receive. And so there's a bumper sticker out there. There's a lot of them, but there's one. It says joy happens. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I should check our parking stickers or before making flippant. Anyone have joy happens on your? It does. Okay. Joy is more, though, it's not just something that happens, it's something we receive. It's, it's the light bulb that has all of the mechanisms to give light, but only works when it's screwed in and the switch is on. And it's why Jesus says, you will produce fruit when you abide in me, when you remain in me. And so joy springs from connection and communion between the joyous and another person, object, or idea. The reason that's in quotes is because it actually comes from a team of psychologists from UCLA. They did a study on this, and and they looked and they saw it wasn't the circumstances of a person's life that was a reflection or an indicator of joy in their life. It wasn't money, status, age, gender, ethnicity, It wasn't even physical health that had a significant correlation between joy. More money, turn up the dial, more joy in their life on the gauge. We think that way because we live 15% below what we think our happiness. That's just common. Study after study says, people say, what would you need to be to be comfortable or happy? And it's always 15% more than what you're at. 15% more status, 15% more income, then I could. 
And so we live in this constant state of not enough, not quite there. And yet in this study of these smart folks at this great university, their conclusion was joy springs from a connection and a communion between the joyous and another person, object, or idea. Their words, connection, communion. In other words, joy isn't something we attain or produce. It's something we receive. And it makes perfect sense, actually, this link between joy and relationships. I asked you, the hands went up. Your joyful experience was connected to people around you. So here's the question. Well, let me put a tack in that. So experience of joy almost never happen alone, and they almost always involve other people directly or indirectly, and it's a connection between you that allows joy to flow. So getting back to Galatians 5.22, the first thing is this. Oh, there was a good slide for that. The first thing is this. We're cruising. We're almost done. Real joy comes from God. Looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul writing to them, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is. Not the fruit of your small group, not the fruit of your, uh, what your pastor can give you, not the fruit of the last retreat you were on or whatever, isolated. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work in every single follower of Christ, not the super spiritual, not just the evangelists or the missionaries or the teachers or the apostles, but every single one of us who've surrendered our life to Christ, who have the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in us, you, the fruit of the Spirit, is love and joy and peace in the other such. That's God in you, through you, working, brings joy. So quick step on the toes and then pull back is, if you are not a person of joy, flag on the play. Because as a follower of Christ, one of the things we are, it's supposed to be who we are. So if we're abiding in him and remaining in him and he is giving fruit in us and through us, not just we're good at jokes. Because listen, some people are good at sarcasm. And sarcasm ain't joy. Sarcasm is literally sarks, flesh, chasm, cut. It's a cutting of the flesh. It's the lowest form of interaction. But we have a culture that celebrates it. And so joy isn't just being witty, cutting, because that's actually a defense mechanism that keeps people away. And if joy really does come through relationship, that doesn't mean what we're going through is amazing. Some of you are going through the hardest moment of your life this season. And it would be false of me to say, this is easy. Just work up some joy. But even in the hardest moment, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a loss of a job, whether it's a loss of a family member, whether it's the winding down of a marriage, God promises us joy. 
So in that difficulty, we say, God, okay, you said it, so then please, in me and through me, bring it. Joy, a deep sense of well-being. The other thing is our relationships with one another are a necessary channel that joy flows through. Your interconnected relationships are a conduit for joy. Now, this is problematic. So I'm going to circle back to this with the no time we have. If you in your own study read Galatians chapter 4, you're going to see that Paul says to the church, the house churches in that area, that I stayed among you and I preached to you, but it was out of an illness that I was here and you didn't look down on me because of this illness that I had. We don't know what his illness was, but he says, if, if you could have fixed this for me, you would have even plucked out your own eyes that I would have been well. So we think maybe it had something to do with his eyes. But in that, he says, you didn't treat me with contempt. And he says, you, you had joy for me. And one translation, just a few verses away from that, says, whatever happened to all your joy? And see, what happened was, Paul, there was a, there was a theological doctrine issue among them. And even though he had planted the churches there and had been among those churches there, now as he's writing to them, there is not joy among them toward him. And he's like, what happened? And this, it's this, this snapshot into joy comes through right relationships with each other. Which is a super used car sales preacher kind of a way of saying like, hey, let's all just get along. That's not easy. And so joy isn't dependent on our circumstances, yet it's intertwined with relationships. Now the elephant or the gorilla or the whatever in the room is that it is risky and dangerous to be in relationships with each other, even within a community of faith. And somewhere along the line, there was this idea that we all need to agree on everything in order to be in community together. And that is a lie. That is a lie. And so if you will only hang out with people who vote like you do or give to charities that you give to or root for the silly football team that you root to, because it's so easy, if you don't have the fortitude to root for a team that never wins, oh wait, The uniqueness of the body of Christ, one body, many members, is not just many members' gifts, but many members, the whole of who you are, being shaped in the likeness of Christ. Which then isn't easy. Because I'm not easy to be around and get along with if you get too close. The great philosopher of our day, Kim Kardashian, says, Happiness is a choice. You didn't see that coming. I've been sitting on that. I've been sitting on that all Sunday. Welcome to the final chapter. It was great being at church. Some stuff happened and then Jay lost it. Happiness is a choice. Join team happy and get off team hater. Who even has all that time to hate? Woo! Right? This is the joy happens idea. Just choose to do it and do it. A different 
theologian and scholar. <laughs> Cleared in the palate. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in The Cost of Discipleship says, fruit is always the miraculous, the created. It is never the result of willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God, and only he can produce it. They who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows of its fruit. They know only the power of him on whom their life depends. You can't manifest joy. You can receive it. You can have it flow to you and flow through you. But for too many of us, we carry this idea of I'm in a bad circumstance and so I need to manifest joy. You can't work hard to make fruit. You're not the gardener. You're not the vine. I can recognize in my own life my lack of fruit and have the hard prayer of God prune me and then when I have a little bit of fruit and I'm so proud of that and realize he's going to prune the little bit that makes fruit so that more fruit can be made, I can surrender to that. And so if you're in a season where happiness ain't easy and joy seems on the other side of something you're not at, know that the promise of God to you is that his spirit will grow in you joy. Here's the lie of the enemy. Isolate and figure it out on your own. And you may, but you probably won't. And so, yeah, you do not have it together like I do, like any of us do. Do not isolate until you get there. We need each other. We need each other. Ron, I need your silly puns to get me going on a Sunday morning. I need your great stories. Where's Shano? I need him being cocky with me on winning a basketball game. I need to hear about the things you're praying about or the things you're excited about on the farm right now. I need to hear these things. Otherwise, this is just book stuff. And it's swinging its straw men that I think are the enemy. We need each other to be reminded that we are all in process together. And so you might not have it this morning, and that's okay. You may need to draw full on from someone else, and that's okay. But let's, church, move beyond the junior high dance where we sit on our side and look at the other side and think they're having a good time. Let's move towards each other. And in moving towards each other, let's remember that we serve a God who moves towards us and calls us to move towards others. There are no outsiders in the kingdom of heaven. There are only those who have not yet joined the party. So let's be good inviters. Let's be good inviters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, this space, this time. Lord, thank you that uh, you are at work in us. Lord, 
this is a thing that each new generation needs to grow in and learn. There is no grabbing the joy from our grandparents, taking it into our life, and then moving beyond it. We all start from zero when we grow. And so, God, I pray that you would grow in us. Good gardener, garden. We're unruly. We're invasive. We're woody and not making fruit. Do what you know we need done. Lord, help us to surrender to the cut of a prune. To receive it. To celebrate it. To know that you are the God who is working all things for the good of those who love you and trust you. And so, God, grow in us. Lord, I pray for this church that you would make us a community of joy. Lord, may we spill that out into a culture around us that is tired and afraid and angry and self-preserving. God, may we not be manipulated, but may we be led by your Spirit. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. You are good. You are big. We love you. In your name, amen. So this morning, we're going to close with communion and a song, and then we'll be out. Um, Each time we get together as a church, we take communion. We do this not because we need something to fill the time. We do this as a reminder. This is a like sliver of the feast that God invites us all into. And it's not a TV dinner for one. It's a banquet with the saints of the ages. So as you come to the table this morning, maybe a time of joy of something that God has done in you or through you or around you could be the thing on your mind, that you could celebrate that and remember that. Maybe if you're like drained and you need that, then you could come with a prayer. I've got them empty. And I can't work this up myself and it sounds like I'm not supposed to. So do what only you can do. The bread reminds us of Jesus' body broken for us, broken that we might have wholeness. The cup reminds us of his shed blood, that in the shedding of blood there is the forgiveness of sin, and it's gruesome. It's gruesome. And yet freely done that we might have life. So as we sing, invite you to come. We take communion either with the little cups and the wafers or in tinction, dipping the bread either in the wine or the juice. This isn't magic, but it's a reminder. Lord, thank you for this moment. Do deep things in us that you know we need. In your name.